Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. In our disposable culture, products are made to maximize profits, not longevity. So it's impossible to imagine something that's meant to last forever. But today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah reveals a quality of love that's often overlooked. God designed it to be eternal. Is that making a difference in your life? Listen as David introduces today's message, Love's Power Over Time. Love never grows old. It never goes away. It never disappears. It doesn't fade. It doesn't get less than it already is. Love is eternal. God's love. Agape love, the love that flows from the heart of God to those who are his children. And uh, we need to learn about that because sometimes we say, well, I used to love her or once we were in love or maybe my love isn't what it used to be. If it's God's love at work in your life, it doesn't end. It has no ending. And uh, this is what the Bible teaches. And this is what we're going to learn today as we open the scriptures together. This is 1 Corinthians 13. This is uh, coming to the end of the series on the power of love. And this is my opportunity to remind you once again that the resource for the month of September is a beautiful calendar called The Unchanging Promises of God. It's already here in the house. I just looked at it a few moments ago. It's 14 months beginning in November of this year and going through all the months of next year. It includes special holiday planners for November and December of this year, a notation of special holidays, Bible reading plan for the year, specific theme for each month with correlating scriptures, and it's yours for a gift of any amount to Turning Point before the month of September closes. When you ask for this resource, we'll send it to you right away. Don't wait until the last minute and miss out on the opportunity to have this beautiful calendar in your home. Right now, we're going to talk about time, speaking of calendars, and this is part one of Love's Power Over Time. We're dealing with a passage of Scripture written to a very carnal church. The church at Corinth was mastered by materialism. They were antagonistic to the things of God. They resisted the very spirit of God that was among them. They were self-centered people, self-willed. They were calloused to the things of God, did things unimaginable to us as we read them. And the one clear message that I've learned from the book of 1 Corinthians is this, that a carnal church, a divided church, a worldly church, an indulging church, a compromising church, will never be able to effectively proclaim a spiritual message. God could not use the church at Corinth in the way he wanted to use them because they were filled with selfish motivation. They had problems called the party spirit, and I don't mean partying, but I mean rallying around individual parties within the body. They were 
guilty of moral laxity and selfishness and they sinned so much that the vitality of their very being was almost sapped right out of their midst and they were becoming controlled by the city that was around them and they've begun to backslide into conduct that is beyond belief I believe that it was precisely because of this particular problem in the church that Paul wrote especially the 13th chapter he wrote a whole chapter very specifically outlining the details not of self-centered love but of selfless love he wrote the chapter to tell the Corinthians that this is the way it ought to be and this is the way it could be if they would allow the Spirit of God to control them the Corinthians were jealous over spiritual gifts they were clamoring for one gift after another and so Paul said I'll tell you what the best gift is it's the gift of love and let me tell you how you can all have it regardless of what your station in life might be isn't it interesting that at this particular juncture in the 13th chapter he begins to talk about the endurance of love as opposed to the temporary nature of spiritual gifts love never fails but whether there be prophecies they shall fail whether there be tongues they shall cease whether there be knowledge it shall vanish away Paul says that prophecy and knowledge will be set aside when their purposes are complete tongues will just cease to be all spiritual gifts are passing but he said there's one thing that'll never quit on you and that's God's love so you better major on the majors and get off the minors focus in on the love of God and get off of the controversy over the gifts he wanted them to understand that the gifts were passing not only are they passing but he points out later on in the text they're incomplete he says in verses 9 and 10 that we know in part we prophesy in part but when that which is perfect is come then that which is in part shall be done away we're not even dealing with the whole here just part of it so he says lock into something that's complete get involved in something that isn't partial get involved in God's love in agape and make it your lifestyle gifts and ministries and faith and hope and patience all of them one day says Paul they're all going to cease to exist because they will cease to have purpose and meaning but in that perfect day when we see our Lord and the world is past and we're face to face with him for us love will just be beginning there is no end to it it just goes on and on I can't help but think as I read the 13th chapter that Paul didn't look at that chapter the way modern expositors look at it to him the marvel wasn't that tongues should cease to him the marvel was that love should continue <laughs> and I read this in the commentaries that are written on the 13th chapter and about 90% of the copy is wrapped up in the tongue ceasing part of the chapter but the major emphasis in the chapter isn't that tongues are going to cease or that knowledge is going to cease or that prophecy is going to cease the major emphasis is that love's eternal and it's not ever going to die some poet wrote when prophecy her tale hath finished knowledge hath withered from the trembling tongue love shall survive and love be undiminished love be imperishable love be young love just keeps right on going when all of the rest of these qualities pass off the scene now let's take just a moment and review the journey we have been on in the 13th chapter in verses 1 through 3 we studied the preeminence of love it's greater than all the other gifts in verses 4 through 7 we looked at the prerogatives of love 
We saw the various qualities of love displayed, but now we start a new section in the chapter, and we see here the permanence of love. Love never fails. And after Paul describes the outward manifestation of divine love within us, he proceeds to tell us something of the inherent quality of love, how love works within us. He says it never fails. He's not speaking here of love's success or failure, but rather its permanence, its divine quality. In essence, what Paul is saying when he writes love never fails is this. He is saying there will never come a time when this love will be incapable of performing what it was originally made to perform. It'll never happen. It is the one power in this life that is self-generating. It is the one reality in time that goes into eternity unchanged. Love will never need to be transformed into something better because love is the best. It can't improve. It's already there. It is eternal. And if you look back through the chapter that we've studied, you discover that what Paul is saying is that all of the qualities of love are also eternal if they are taken in the divine sense. For instance, love, God's love, will always suffer long. God's love will always be kind. God's love will never envy. God's love will never vaunt itself up. God's love will never be puffed up. God's love will never behave itself unseemly. God's love will never seek its own. God's love will never be easily provoked. And it will never think evil. And it will never rejoice in iniquity. And it will always rejoice in the truth. And it will always bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things. God's love is absolutely, totally consistent. It always produces to its utmost extent. Now, of course, when we read all of that, and we read that love never fails, we, we only can do one thing, and I've done it all week long, and it's driven me nuts. I compare God's love with the love I know around me and the love I see, even in the best of the love relationships, there are imperfections. What does it mean when the Scripture says love never fails? Well, the word fail in the text is a very interesting word. It's the Greek word peptai, and it means that love never ever loses its value. It never falls. It never collapses. It's never destroyed. It will never be ruined. It never comes to an end. It never fails. And that doesn't help me at all. Every kind of love that you know humanly ends sometime, somewhere. Not God's love. God's love keeps right on going. It never, ever ends. Another poet has written it this way, when the last day is ended and the night is through, when the last sun is buried in its grave of blue, when the stars are snuffed like candles and the sea no longer frets, when the winds unlearn their cunning and the storms forget, when the last life is palsied and the last prayer is said, love shall reign immortal when the world lies dead. Love just keeps on going. Well, how do we put together the problem of God's love as we understand it unfailing, totally eternal, and how we respond to that love in our own lives. How is it, as we look at the failing love around us, how can it be said that love never fails? I want to share with you three thoughts. How is it that love never fails? First of all, love never fails because God never fails and God is love. That's what the scripture teaches. Love never fails because God never fails and God is love. Love never fails literally is equivalent to saying God never fails. 
The scriptures reveal that God has many attributes, and if you've ever studied the nature of God, you will discover he has wonderful attributes, his justice, his righteousness, his mercy. But all of the attributes concerning God in the New Testament are adjectives. They are truths about the nature of God, except one, and that one is love. God is not loving, God is love. And if you read the Bible, you will discover that God is not hope, and God is not faith, and God is not just, and God is not righteous in the sense that we're saying it, but God is love. To learn love is to learn the paramount value of life, because that's what God is. I don't understand how God could be love, but the scripture defines God in terms of love and love in terms of God. And when you get to the Johannine epistles in the New Testament, love and God are so closely associated, they're used interchangeably by the writer of those letters. It's as if John is saying, you want to know what love is like? Here's God. You want to know what God is like? Here's love. God is love. And the reason love is eternal is because God is eternal and because God cannot fail, his love cannot fail. And that's why we're told at the beginning of chapter 14, in the very first verse, that we're to pursue love. You know the first lie that was told in the garden? The first lie that was told in the garden was this. If you lie, you'll be like God. Remember? And men have kept on believing that over and over again all through the years. If you lie, you'll be like God. Just deceive and be a deceiver. But you want to know how to be like God? Learn how to love because love is the inherent quality in God and that love is the paramount value in life. So love never fails, first of all, because God never fails and God is love. All right, number two, love never fails, secondly, because Christ is love and Christ never fails. Now, love has its origin in heaven, but its incarnation or its living out in the flesh was in the person of Jesus Christ. If we are to understand the expression, love never fails, we must look at the only person who ever walked on this earth who lived love absolutely to perfection. He never left anything out that should have been included, and he never included anything that should have been left out. He was the personification of the loving human being, God man walking on this earth he was love there's a passage of scripture i want you to turn to if you will please in john chapter 13 i think this is a great passage to illustrate how christ was love and christ did not fail john 13 1 now before the feast of the passover when jesus knew that his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the father here it is having loved his own which were in the world he loved them unto the end. I took that verse apart and I found that the word end is the word telos, which means limit. It can also mean doom, death, or the end of life. The Lord loved his own to the absolute limit. He didn't leave anything out that he should have included. He didn't include anything that should have been left out. He loved them absolutely, perfectly. He loved his own, referring to his disciples, in the most perfect way that love can be expressed. I think that's what Paul was trying to get across when he wrote to the Ephesians. Turn over in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. And in the book of Ephesians, we learn in the third chapter that trying to describe that love is a terrible task. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. 
This is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. And listen to what he says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now watch carefully. That you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ. Why is it so hard to know it? Now watch carefully. Which passeth knowledge. In other words, it's unbelievably difficult to even comprehend the love of Jesus Christ. And Paul prayed for the Ephesians that they would somehow get to know how deep it was and how wide it was and how great it was. If you can't see the love of God in its perfection in the life of Jesus Christ, maybe it's because you haven't read your New Testament lately. You see that love as he's agonizing in the garden for those for whom he would die. You see that love of Christ as he's gazing on Peter who would betray him and at one time had betrayed him. And you can't help but see the unbelievable love in the face of the Lord. You see that love as he hangs on the cross praying for his murderers that they would be forgiven. And you see that love as the spear is driven into his side and the thorns are placed on his brow and he hangs on the cross for the sins of the world. You see in Jesus Christ what agape is. It is love to the uttermost. It's love to the end. It's love that never quits. You see him as he bears his heart for the sin of the world, and you see him as he comes back from the grave and goes and talks with those timid disciples who were so frightened. In every part of the life of the Lord Jesus, you see the living example of what love should be. And a hymn writer has captured that when he wrote, See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Love never fails, first of all, because God never fails and God is love. Love never fails, secondly, because Christ never fails and Christ is love. But here's where it comes down to all of us. How can our love never fail? Can I get in on this? I can't be God and I can't be Christ. How can my love have the quality of eternal value how can my love not quit when human love would give up well let me explain it to you and here's the truth love never fails when it is God's love that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit you see my human love isn't good enough to qualify under the Corinthians 13 passage I'll fall short have you found that as we've studied that how in the world do I do all this? How do I put all this to practice? Bears all things, believes all things, etc., etc. How in the world? Well, you can't. And let me just tell you right now, if what you're doing is listening to what I'm saying about God's perfect love and then going home and trying to figure out a way to do it in the flesh, you're dead. It's not going to happen. Your love will fail. And if you look around in the world today at what's going on in the human relationships, even among Christians, you will see that human love is failing over and over again. Our rate of failure is becoming astronomical. Marriages are coming unglued and children are having problems with parents and the love that should be God's love shed abroad in our hearts is being substituted with what the world has to offer. And that love will always fail somewhere. But when you have God's love, shed abroad in your hearts it can have the quality that is given here love never fails Christian love is something without which everything else is nothing Christian love is that which God gives to us when we come to him and ask him for it 
As Christians, we are indwelt by God's love, and we react the same way that he reacted when he is in control of our lives. How can we be kind to those who are unkind to us? Humanly, you can't. But if you have God's love in you, he will give you the strength to love those people in his love, even though humanly you could not do that. If we love a person in spite of his wrong spirit toward us, then we have begun to enter into the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts. When we love our spouse, if our spouse has been unkind, or we love our children when they have been rebellious, and we love our friends when they backbite, or they uh, destroy us with their tongue, or they're not faithful to us, when we love in that way, we have entered in in some way to the love of God in a human heart, shed abroad by the Spirit who controls us. So how am I supposed to love? I'm supposed to come to God and ask Him to fill me with His Holy Spirit and control me with his Holy Spirit and give me a spirit-controlled life because only then can I love the way 1 Corinthians 13 tells it. Now, I want to just kind of wrap this all up in this section in a practical way by sharing some things that I discovered as I was studying. I found out that this love never failing quality is a quality that is very expressive in terms of how the word fail is used other places in the New Testament. And I think it will illustrate to us how our love can be unfailing before our friends and within our family and among the church members and where we work, how our love can be unfailing love if we'll let the Spirit of God control us and take control of our lives. So just take a moment and go with me through a couple of passages of Scripture. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 7. I told you at the beginning of my message that the word for fail in 1 Corinthians 13 was the Greek word peptai. And that word is used in a number of passages of Scripture. And I want you to see how the word is used because then you will understand what it means when the Scripture says that God's love doesn't fail. Matthew chapter 7, verse 27. And you watch in your Bibles and I'll show you where the word is. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. There's the word, peptide. It failed. And great was the pepti, was the failing of it. Verse 28, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at the doctrine. Now, in this passage of scripture, you have the story of the houses built on the sand and on the rock and the storm coming. And the text says that when the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew, the house failed. Pepti. In contrast, the wise men built his house upon the rock and his home did not fail. Pepti. You know what I've written in my notes? God's love doesn't cave in when unexpected storms come. Well, I'll tell you what. They are not respecter of people, are they? Unexpected storms. You're going along and everything seems fine. You're not anticipating any problems. In fact, maybe it's the best stretch of time you've had in your family and with your loved ones. Everything just seems great. And all of a sudden, you come home, and without any warning, there's a storm. I mean, the cloud comes, the rain comes, the thunder comes. And what the Scripture says is that when you have God's love in your heart, it doesn't cave in when unexpected storms come. You know what normally happens in human love? We respond to the circumstances. I mean, if things get bad, what do you do, folks? You bail out. 
You get out of the situation. Because if you can get out of the situation, maybe you can find peace somewhere else. But the Bible says if God's love is in your heart, if you've got agape love, and the Spirit of God is in control of you, when the storms come, that love won't quit on you. And if you've built your relationship on human love, on eros love, the first time a storm comes, it's all over. Hmm. Well, that's uh, part one of love's power over time. What a very important lesson this is for all of us. When, as we look around in our culture today, hardly anything is lasting. And uh, people aren't even getting married because they don't want to get divorced. They just live together. And when they're done with this person, they find another person. And love has no boundaries and no power and uh, no lasting ability. That's not God's love. God's love is the love that sent Jesus Christ to the cross to die for your sin and mine. God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. That's God's love. That's agape love. And that love can be ours. And that's what we're learning. We'll have more of that tomorrow here on Turning Point. By the way, you can get the study guide and the CD package for this whole series by going to davidjeremiah.org. There you will find pictured these resources and your ability to get them and have them sent to your home. I hope you will do that. Let the love course continue in the months ahead. We'll see you right here tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Power of Love, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of our inspiring 14-month calendar for 2024. Focused on God's enduring faithfulness, the unchanging promises of God. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions. Available in your choice of handsome cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Power of Love, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. I noticed a story in the news about a man in Cleveland, Ohio who was released from prison after 39 years when new evidence proved he was innocent. When asked how he felt, the man said, I'm just glad to be a free man. I'm really grateful. 
Jesus stated that part of his mission was to proclaim liberty to the captives. It was a reference to the Old Testament year of Jubilee when debts were erased and slaves were set free. And it also refers to being set free from captivity to the guilt of sin. All who have been set free by Jesus know the wonderful feeling. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's freedom on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Route 66, start your journey home today.